when Pastor Jimmy asked me to preach last month, I had a, there was a good while before I figured out precisely what I wanted to talk about. And um, when God put this on my heart, I think this is a message that a lot of people will need to hear. Right? So, fear warning, because of the content of this message, there might be tears. This is a disclaimer. Right? I guess that's what's happening when you name your son after you weeping prophet. Right? <laughs> they laughing now, I'm going get licks when I go home. Right? But I like to hear everybody laugh and thing. And that is something we just hear a lot about in Christian circles, right? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad in it. Right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And there's nothing wrong with that. A good deal of Christianity is about being happy and feeling joyous. Right? But then there becomes, it, it, we have an atmosphere where there's one question that we never end up asking. Right? What do you do when you're sad? What do you do when you are a Christian and you don't feel this joy that everybody's talking about? What do you do when you are a Christian and you, you feel a sadness or a darkness inside of you? Right? <laughs> Amen. Right? And sometimes we overemphasize the joy. It, it, it kind of leads people to a very terrifying conclusion. In that if I am not happy, then I am not a Christian. Or that I have angered God some way and he is punishing me for it. And sometimes even in Christian circles, we have people who say that to people who are sad. They say, well, you, the reason why you're having this is because you have sin in your life. Anybody ever hear that before? Yeah. Right? Or the reason why you're not happy is because you're disconnected from God. Right? Now, my, my idea for this message is just to talk about what do you do when you are a Christian and you are sad? What do you do when you are experiencing your rainy days and Mondays? Right? The main idea for this message comes from the song, the title of the message actually, Rainy Days and Mondays, comes from an old song. Right, released in 1971 by a group named the Carpenters. Right, and I'll just read the first verse of the song for you. It says, talking to myself and feeling old, sometimes I'd like to quit. Nothing ever seems to fit. Hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. I'm sure a lot of us have felt like that before, right? Right? We just down, whether it be depression, whether it be we upset, whether we are in mourning, we feel that feeling. I think everybody in here has felt that feeling, right? Now, within the song itself, the singer, she comes to a conclusion as to what she needs to do to get rid of the sadness. And her conclusion is, funny, but it seems that the only thing to do is run and find the one who loves me. And that's what my main idea for tonight is. The main idea is that God wants you to find comfort in him. Amen. Right? Now, we're not going to exactly have one scripture we're focusing on tonight. But we'll start off the main scripture in John 11, 
right? We start from verse 19. If I read and continue there, John 11, verse 19. Right? And while you turn there, so that we don't read the entire, we don't read the entire chapter, I'll give you an idea of what's going on. I'm sure a lot of people know this story. It's a popular Sunday school story. Uh, Jesus is preaching with his disciples outside of Judea, and news comes to him that his friend Lazarus is very sick. Right? And he tells his disciples that Lazarus is dead, and they need to go back to Judea. But he delays so that when he gets back to Judea, Lazarus has been dead for four days, right? And we'll pick up in verse 17, and we'll continue from there, right? So John 11, verse 17, everyone there? Say amen. 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 Right? Then Jesus came, then when Jesus came, sorry, he found that, they had, that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Now notice he didn't say why you're crying. Right? <laughs> Just a heads up. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she said so, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and call it for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the tongue, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And now, this is one of the key verses we're looking at. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35, Jesus wept. Right? And that is the, verse from the first point. It's fine to be sad, right? Contrary to popular belief, Christianity is not all sunshine and roses. It was never meant to be like that. Now, in that chapter, verse 33 and in verse 35, we see Jesus cry twice. The first time he groaned inwardly, he was troubled, 
And if it's 35, he openly wept, right? And there's a lot of theology about why Jesus was crying. Some people say he was crying because he was, had to bring Lazarus back from heaven, or he was crying because this, this death was so um, hurtful to humans. There are a lot of arguments about that. I'm not here to debate that. I'm going to go with the most straightforward explanation. Jesus wept because he was sad. And that is, that is the obvious thing, right? That's why we cry. We cry because we're sad, right? Right? He didn't go to Mary and Martha and say, you know, cheer up, I'll go and bring back Lazarus. He didn't do that. I think sometimes we sometimes we're misguided when we're talking to people in the morning and people are crying and we try to cheer them up. That is not what we're supposed to do. Right? It it might be a good thing, you might think it's a good thing to do, but sometimes that does more harm than good. Right? Never once did Jesus deny Mary and Martha their feelings. Right? And we see this trend throughout the Bible. In 1 Kings 19.4, Elijah runs away from Jezebel and hides under a tree and he begs God to kill him because he said he can take it anymore. He says, Lord, take me. Right? Now, God didn't say, you know what, Elijah, you was believing me all this time, but I don't like what you're doing now. I'm not dealing with you no more. You know what he did? He sent an angel to comfort Elijah. Right? When King David cried again and again in Psalms, to, I believe in Psalms 6, where he said, I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day long. Right? God didn't say, well, you, were, you used to be a man after my own heart, but I don't like this crying thing. Right? If you go back and you read in Psalms, you will see that David talks again and again about how God comforts him. Uh, about how he depends on God to, to, and hides in God to move forward, right? So, so if God himself could accept the mourning of others and the sadness of others, why can't we do that for our own Christian brothers and sisters, right? According to WHO, there are 35 million people who suffer with depression worldwide, right? That is one in every 20 persons. We have more than 20 persons inside here. Right? That's to tell you how many people suffer with depression. A legitimate illness. And sometimes, I believe, as a church, sometimes we try to pass that off. And we try to say, to bandage it up. But we can't deny people their feelings. We have to acknowledge that sadness, while it might be something that might tarnish the image of the happy Christian life is something that we need to bring to the forefront. It's something that we need to deal with because the church is for hurting people, right? The church isn't for people who are happy all the time. The church is for people who need to, 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 to draw closer to Christ in the depths, in the valleys of their life, right? And I'm not just talking about depression. I'm talking about if you mourn a loved one, if you lost a job, if you're upset with a conversation you had earlier today, that is valid. God gave us a range of emotions, and he isn't surprised when we express those emotions. Right? So that is the first point. The first point is absolutely fine to be sad. It is fine to feel your emotions. Right? Now, now 
I guess, but probably saying, you say, I know it's okay to be sad, right? I understand that, but that's not my question. My question is, why am I sad? Why, if I am a Christian, does God send all this hurt and pain for me? Why, does it, it seems like God doesn't even care. Like he's just up there and he says, well, you'll have rainy days and sunny days, and when the rainy days come, it's just rainy days. Right? Why is God, who's supposed to be all loving, sending me this pain? Right? And that leads me to my second point. God knows your pain. Right? Now, if you could see the verse up there, right? It's Isaiah, um, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah 53 3. That's where it's come from living in the same house with Jerusha, which I. Fifty-three-three. All right, everyone there. All right, just one verse. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now notice what the verse says. The verse says, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. It's not that he just understood what grief was, or he knew what it was like to see somebody grieve. He intimately experienced grief. He was a man of sorrows. He knows your pain, right? Now, I can't answer why you feel pain. That question has been asked countless times throughout the years. I am not here to answer 2,000 year old debate, right? Uh, I suspect, honestly, that we may not know why we experience all the things we experience inside of heaven, right? I am not, uh, there is no band-aid, no verse I could give you that would take you out of your pain, that would make everything okay. But what I can tell you is that your pain is not meaningless, and that God feels your pain, right? When talking about the, the death of Lazarus, the 16th century minister, Matthew Henry, had this to say in his commentary. He said, Christ's tender sympathy with these afflicted friends appeared by the troubles of his spirit. In all the afflictions of believers, he is afflicted. His concern for them was shown by his kind inquiry after the remains of his deceased friend. Being found in fashion as a man, he acts in the way and the manner of the sons of men. It is shown by his tears. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Tears of compassion resemble those of Christ. Right? Christ felt the pain. God because God, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. God felt the pain of mourning a friend. God felt the pain of mourning a loved one. He knows intimately what that is like. Okay? Is 
uh, again in Matthew 27:46, right? Jesus Christ is dying and suffering on the cross for all our sins, right? The weight of every sin ever committed and the weight of every sin we will ever commit is on his shoulders. He is going through the most excruciating physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional pain. So much so that he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? To the point where his father couldn't even look upon him. Right? Not only was Jesus Christ suffering in that moment, but God the Father was suffering too because he was losing a son. Right? And that's one of the amazing things about Christianity. And that's one of the things about Christianity that kind of sets us apart from other religions. Our God isn't some man in the sky with a beard who just knows what is like, who knows about pain or has an academic knowledge of pain. He felt pain. He knows pain. He's born the very worst of our pain. And he still wants to bear that pain. Right? He knows what it's like to hurt intimately. And he wants to comfort you like any good father would want to comfort you. And that leads me to my last point. God wants you to rest in him. Right? Suffering, as hard as it is on us, has a purpose. Like I said, we might not know what that purpose is, right? But out of all the salvation mechanisms that God could have used, right? He used one that had him join us in our pain. If pain was meaningless, that he didn't have to do that. There has to be something to the pain because he joined us in our pain, right? Now, Psalms... 147 verse 3 it says he healed the broken in heart and bind up their wounds their wounds right that is what God wants to do for us he wants to heal our hearts he wants to bind our wounds whatever pain whatever stress or sadness we're experiencing he wants to bind our wounds like a loving father would Right? There's nothing that hurts your heavenly father more than when you are hurt. Right? If you could turn to First uh, Peter 5, right? We, most of us know verse 8 by heart. I'm sure if I ask some children here, they could quote First Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because you are the Sarah the devil, as a roaring lion walked around about, seeking who he may devour. Right? But if you look a little lower, if you go to verse 9, Right? It says, Whom remains steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And verse 10, here's verse 10, the core verse. But the God of grace, who had called us unto his eternal glory by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, right? Your suffering, this pain that you feel now, 
is but for a while. And I know that is something me outside, you might say, well, you're not going through this. You don't know what it's like. And you're absolutely right. I don't know what kind of pain you're going through right now. But even when you feel like there's no way you could come back from this, there's no way things could be happy again, here is God saying that all the suffering is but for a while. He will settle you and he will bring you back. Right? So, if you need a shoulder to cry on, cry on his shoulder. If you need somebody to talk to, talk to him. Right? If you need somebody to yell and scream at, yell and scream at God. God not going to be angry at you if you yell and scream at him. He's not a disciplinarian. He's not a judge. He's not a policeman who will get vexed with you. He's a father. He understands what you're going through. Right? He loves you more than anything. And he doesn't want, to, want you to go through this pain alone. Yes, you'll experience pain, but you, you weren't meant to carry that pain alone. There's an all-powerful, all-loving God who wants you to unload it on him simply because he loves you so much. All right? And I want just to end off with this illustration. Once during Queen Victoria's reign, she heard that a wife of a common laborer had lost her baby. Having experienced deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she called out the bereaved woman one day and they spent some time together. After the queen left, the neighbors asked her what the queen had said. Nothing, replied the grieving mother. She simply put her hands in mine and we silently wept together. Right? It might seem far. God might seem far. But I want to know he's an intimate father and he will hold your hands and he will come.